Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great pleasure to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Leonard Higgins. Leonard Higgins is a member of the Extinction Rebellion U.S. National Coordination Team and was a valve turner two years ago, one of a number of activists who took nonviolent action to shut off pipelines. Now, new nonviolent actions are underway. Leonard Higgins, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks, David. It's good to be with you. Thanks for coming on. Before we get to the Extinction Rebellion, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and the and the Valve Turners nonviolent action? Definitely. Yeah. First off, I, I'm a, a father. I've got five children, uh, two grandchildren. Um, I'm a member of the UU uh, Church and and on the board of an organization called Ministry for Earth. And yes, uh, two years ago, a group of us shut off tar sands pipelines in four states, um, stopping for a day uh, the flow of all tar sands oil into the U.S. It was 15% of total crude oil usage for that day. And uh, it was meant as an example of what we have to do. It's not just uh, enough as activists to stop new infrastructure, we need to begin ramping down um, what we're using now. This year, uh, we saw a, a large increase in total world carbon emission. Yeah, it's, and, so we've run out of time. And, and there were trials that followed those actions, right? Yes, uh, we were um, hoping to bring what's called the necessity defense into the courtroom. Um, our last trial was in Minnesota just uh, about a month ago. And there were three defendants, and uh, Emily and Annette uh, and Ben. And uh, to our bewilderment, uh, rather than allowing the the cross section of expert witnesses, including Dr. James Hansen and Bill McKibben, and experts on the efficacy of civil disobedience, all charges were dropped by that uh, Minnesota County uh, Court. And so we were not able to do that. We do have uh, two appeals going, and uh, the major uh, issue in those appeals is being allowed to come back into court and to submit the necessity defense in the cases where um, myself and and others were convicted. I I'm currently I have a felony conviction from Montana, and I have uh, about two years of probation to go on on that sentence. And and one of the lessons for other concerned citizens out there might be that sometimes the charges get dropped. Yes, and, and frankly, uh, all of us will tell you that we're much more frightened at the prospect of the climate breakdown and the consequences we're already seeing uh, than the consequences of nonviolent civil disobedience. It's, as, um, as we have to do be. what we can. So, so what is the Extinction Rebellion? So, I am so expi- uh, inspired and excited to be part of the organizing for the Extinction Rebellion. Uh, like you said, it's been two years since our nonviolent civil disobedient action in, in the valve turning closures. 
And um, we've not seen the kind of uprising that we hope to inspire the kind of responsibility by individual citizens to act when governments have failed. And now we see this wonderful movement spreading across the world from the U.K. and um, exactly uh, the very simple and straightforward demands that uh, we believe needed to happen two years ago and, of course, over the last 20, 30 years. And so those three demands are, one, that the government must tell the truth about climate change and the wider ecological emergency. There's more to it, but I'll, I'll make it real quick and simple. Two, that the government must enact legally binding policy measures to reduce carbon emissions to net zero by 2025. And finally, that we need to revive our democracies, that we need a National People's Congress or Citizens Assembly in the U.S. and other countries where all of us as citizens that do recognize the immediate threat of climate change can rise up and work together to do what's needed to oversee those changes. And do you think that extinction is still preventable and that getting to net zero by 2025 would uh, be likely to to prevent it? Uh, yes, I do. Um, but we don't know for sure. Um, we may have already crossed tipping points that um, may mean that um, in the end we can't um, avoid a severe impact on our civilization and us in the human species, of course, and in all the animal and plant life that we rely on to live. Um, we don't know, though, how it's going to turn out. And I feel um, very confident that we can avoid the worst. Um, each person has to come to their own conclusions based on the science. And um, the people that I know, the scientists I know and have faith in, believe that we've got a shot at it. And what that means, though, is that we have to begin immediately ramping down our carbon emissions. And it's so hard for me to understand why my fellow parents and grandparents out there, folks like myself that have lived very responsible lives, have been an um, par uh, important part of our communities in working for the 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 welfare of the people in the community aren't rising up in the same way that we would respond to a hurricane or other natural disaster in our own community. We're refusing to see the immediacy and the seriousness of this emergency and respond to it. And um, the Extinction Rebellion, I believe, is is getting out there with that that first demand that we tell the truth. Um, we just we don't hear about it in the news. We don't. Uh, so I'm so impressed by um, outlets like The Guardian in the UK and Democracy Now! here in the U.S. that have been telling the truth. And we need as citizens to rise up and demand that. It seems like even if extinction is locked in at this point, there would still be the question of how fast, and the very same steps would have to be taken to slow it as need to be taken on the chance that we can prevent it. So the, so, so the action is the same, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, and I, I ask your listeners to think about all that they love, to think about their family, to think about their community, to think about uh, the wonderful nature around us. There's so many things that we have to be thankful for, and all of that is at risk. If, if that's not worth doing everything that we can to save even a part of it, what is worth it? We're speaking with Leonard Higgins, who is a member of the Extinction Rebellion's U.S. National Coordination Team. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the extinction. What's the what's the rebellion? What's what's happening, and what should be happening, and what's in the works? So, uh, nonviolent civil disobedience—you know, as we all know—raised um, here in America is a very effective tool, and has has been part of the, the, frankly, patriotic background of this country. Um, the, the civil rights movement is probably the most inspiring for me, but we've seen other movements such as women's suffrage uh, bringing the vote for, for women. Uh, I'll focus on the civil rights movement, though. And uh, the power of civil disobedience is the ability to remain nonviolent in the face of, of violent repression. And so I think of those people that, those brave people that marched across the Selma Bridge, and they knew there was going to be violent retribution. The police were not there to protect them. The police were there, um, some of them, to, to beat them. And those people had gone through training in in remaining nonviolent during that kind of retribution. And it was the public outrage. It was the demonstration of the severe discrimination that was going on against uh, those people and people standing up for their rights, beginning to see how wrong that was. And so I see the same parallel as more, of a, more and more of us rise up for our lives as human beings and the lives of our family and uh, the, particularly in the U.S., the attempt at a repressive uh, fascist kinds of responses to people uh, using their First Amendment rights to speak uh, for themselves, I believe will bring more and more citizens um, out of their living room, um, from in front of their TVs, out onto the streets to join us. And, and to stand up for their children's future. And, and have any nonviolent actions already been taken by Extinction Rebellion in the UK, in the US, in other countries? Are there, are there events and actions planned that people can, can sign up to take part in? Uh, definitely, yeah. I, I think uh, most of us have seen at least some of the actions that have been happening, particularly in London, in the UK, and those continue. Um, we're aiming for uh, a set of um, countrywide actions um, just to sort of introduce Extinction Rebellion to the U.S. Uh, on January 26th. And worldwide, we're aiming for a set of disruptive actions in April. And so we're planning for that. Um, on the national coordination team, we're mainly focused right now on onboarding the, the thousands of 
volunteers that are coming forward um, to become local coordinators in communities across the U.S., and that is frankly a a very overwhelming task at this point, um, while we're also trying to make some small adaptions to the the, um, Extinction Rebellion uh, values, principles, and, and strategies as as might be necessary in the U.S. We don't know whether that's the case or not, and planning for for actions in January and in April. Uh, recently, uh, a 15-year-old girl from Sweden, Greta Thunberg, has been making news and speaking at the United Nations, among other places. Uh, do you see her as a as an ally with the with the right message for people? She is such a wonderful example of the kinds of actions that we can come together and take as citizens. And so, uh, this 15 year old in Sweden sparked a uh, uh, a whole broad-scale national strike of young students across Sweden, tens of thousands of students, and she continues um, that recognition, um, that influence through her own personal action has her at COP24 in Poland uh, talking to the United Nations gathering there um, about what needs to happen in response to the climate emergency. And I wish I was articu- as articulate and influential as her and as she's been in Sweden. And so a strike, um, you know, strikes, uh, as we've seen in the U.S., by teachers can be very effective in getting a response to a problem and to demands that are asked to redress that problem. And so... These are time-honored strategies that are nonviolent. Um, we, that is one of the, there's really two basic principles that, among others, that are particularly important in the Extinction Rebellion. One is a, a strict non-negotiable commitment to nonviolence, and the other is respect and inclusion for people from uh, whatever um, background that they come to, uh, come from, excuse me. And um, so the things like uh, strikes, uh, particularly large general strikes, boycotts, um, those kinds of things, they're time-honored traditions and methods for um, bringing an issue to people's attention and to demand that the serious problem be addressed. And um, we're applying that now to climate change Governments around the world have have failed. Um, The Paris Agreement, although steps in the right direction, falls far short of ensuring us a stable climate and and a safe environment for us to live in as humans. We're already seeing parts of the world become inhabitable. All of our coastlines around the world are threatened, um, yet we don't see governments act. Um, We've got this one last chance to to escape the worst of the climate catastrophe, we have to take it as citizens. Um, we have to force our governments, and we have to force business to respond uh, to the harm that confronts us. 
We certainly do. Uh, have you looked at the uh, the draft of a Green New Deal proposal that's been on the website of Congresswoman-elect Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? And, and what do you make of, of that movement in the U.S. Congress? I, I love that. In fact, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and so happy to see the the group of progressive um, people that have come into Congress uh, in the last election. Um, I want to stress that I don't see uh, nonviolent civil disobedient action as the only work that needs to happen. There are so many good people doing important work in alternative energy, in different approaches to doing agriculture, to uh, more efficient uh, ways of doing transportation. Across the board, there are so many uh, good-hearted people doing the work that needs to be done. What we see is their efforts being blocked at every turn to protect the profits of the fossil fuel companies and allied industries and, and interests. And so the, the, new green, the Green New Deal is, is an example among many of those efforts for pushing things uh, within the current structures and the legal systems that we have. Um, that's, that's one of the things that we've seen is despite 30 years and more of efforts in legislatures, state legislatures and Congress, efforts in the courts, and efforts to lobby the executive branch of our government, We've not seen the response, and uh, we have to continue that pressure from the inside as well as the, the tactics I'm talking about through Extinction Rebellion from the outside. Leonard, I, I spend a lot of time myself working on peace and opposing war, uh, and uh, those of us in the peace movement notice that over 60% of the money Congress decides on every year goes to militarism uh, and could be going to environmental protection, uh, and that the U.S. military is the top single consumer of petroleum and the number three polluter of U.S. waterways, the destroyer of many, many square miles of land around the globe, poisoner of, of water all over the earth, uh, and yet it gets a waiver in Kyoto, it gets a waiver in Paris, it's missing in action on the, in the Green New Deal, which uh, doesn't mention uh, doing anything to scale back military environmental destruction and goes out of its way to say that it will pay for the Green New Deal by going to the Federal Reserve and inventing money out of thin air, rather than we'll take a bit out of the military budget. Uh, am I, you know, am, am I wrong to, to object that, that most major environmental groups thus far uh, have been unwilling to touch one of the biggest environmental problems with a 10-foot pole and, and, and that there's a weakness there? Um, I so admire your work, David, um, your anti-war work, and um, I completely agree that the U.S. military is the single largest carbon emitter on the planet. Um, it's just um, impossible to really get our arms around the full destructive impact of the U.S. military in the world. Um, and that's part of the problem, the way that our government and other governments have failed us. Rather than 
bringing the huge resources of government and its citizens to bear on the problem of climate change, we're instead, especially in the U.S., using those resources to continue the exploitation that's got us into this spot we're in and to to, to protect the, the obscene way of life that we have that would require four or five planets the resources of four or five planets, and and instead of reaching out and, for example, helping the people in Yemen that are um, among the first people on the planet that have the root of their suffering in climate change, um, we're participating in making that problem worse. I, I couldn't agree more. I also... Uh, really appreciate the training that's happening within the anti-war movement on nonviolent uh, direct action. Uh, the more people that we can train, that that we can help understand how effective uh, that those strategies uh, are, uh, the more able we're going to be able to come together and, and confront um, where we are. Well, we're expecting to do some nonviolent training when we unwelcome NATO to Washington, D.C. on April 4th uh, and uh, hopefully encourage everybody to join in what you guys are planning on April 15th or so, um, because many people uh, are interested in, in both of these issues as if they're even separate issues. Oh, I agree. There, um, We're working together uh, to, to try to change... Uh, what threatens all of this? Do Do you think that the that the urgency of the situation at this point changes the the tactics and the political calculations, uh, and, and that waiting for another election becomes less strategic as a as a policy procedure than demanding action immediately or impeaching existing officials and replacing them. Uh, and, and I mean, some years back when Obama was in the White House, uh, I attended a, a, a truly bizarre protest in Washington, D.C. with 350.org that was a protest of Obama, but with pro-Obama signs on everything. And I, I had never seen that before. Um, I, I'm wondering if that if that sort of thing still makes sense. I mean, I just watched a video of, of Obama recently in Texas uh, speaking to a crowd bragging about how much he increased fossil fuel production. Um, it, 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 at some point, it, it does, does the urgency mean that people need to become more independent and honest and straightforward? rather than taking sides with a team in power? Um, yeah, there's no question in my mind, um, and, and it's part of the failure of our government that, that I've been describing, you know, in more particular, um, looking at both the, the Democratic Party and, frankly, the, the big greens in this country um, that... Uh, we've been counting on that many people um, have thought that by donating $25, say, um, at a time or even a month, that uh, then they could count on uh, Sierra Club or the Democratic Party or, or other organizations to take care of the problem uh, that met that citizen's responsibility to take care of their kids and their grandkids, and they could just count then on that organization, whatever it is, 
to to take care of the problem. But that's uh, that's something people have been doing for thirty years or more, and and here we are at this point where we're not even sure that we can save ourselves, and those organizations are still doing the same thing. Um, that's a complete and total failure. Um, I was really happy, uh, even though I have really um, a lot of respect, um, like I said, for all the people that are working toward the changes we need, um, but but um, are seeing those same old things fail in many cases. Um, I was happy to see the Extinction Rebellion in the UK choosing Greenpeace as one of their targets. Uh, Greenpeace has one, done some wonderful things, calling our attention to problems in the past and demanding solutions. But um, uh, as of late, they and other um, pretty effective organizations, and I'd include 350.org in that group, um, that have been working on change on all of our behalf, um, aren't doing enough, are not really responding as though there's an emergency. There's there's a, a famous experiment where uh, you bring a subject into a room with other people in, and he doesn't understand really what the experiment is. Uh, he thinks he's just filling out forms and, and responding to a survey the same as the other people in the room. Uh, but what they do is they begin letting smoke into the room, and that individual looks around. And because no one else is responding to the potential threat of fire with the smoke coming into the room, they wait an exceptionally long time before responding if they respond at all. And and as, as folks in the everyday walk of life look around them, they don't hear about the emergency on the news. They don't see their neighbors. They don't see their leaders responding to the true nature of the emergency we, that we have. They don't feel the emergency. They don't believe the emergency. And, and so that's that's part of what we have to have. We've got just uh, two minutes left. Leonard Higgins with Extinction Rebellion. Where should people go to learn more? What should people be doing individually and as organizations? And, and how can people get involved and help out? So there's a, a worldwide website. A website, I think, is a good place to, to start. It's easy. It's just called rebellion.earth. And so if they start there, um, in terms of uh, contacting um, Extinction Rebellion U.S., um, gosh, I should have had this right in front of me, um, the, um, the email account is um, xr um, at extinctionrebellion.us, and the website is... Um, that I just gave you, um, that should suffice. As I said, it's, um, it's rebellion.earth. And, and we'll put all the links we can find and that you send us up on the Talk Nation radio website as well. Perfect. Uh, people yeah. Can, uh, I appreciate that, David. Thank you. 
not a problem. Uh, Leonard Higgins uh, is a member of the Extinction Rebellion U.S. National Coordination Team, and there are teams in nations around the globe. He was a valve turner two years ago, uh, taking nonviolent action to shut off a pipeline for a day, uh, and more nonviolent action of this sort and on a larger scale uh, is badly needed. I strongly encourage you all to get involved. Extinction Rebellion. Leonard Higgins, thank you very much for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.